Caleb Knox. What's up, buddy? Coop, what's up, brother? Glad to be here. Yeah, this is great. Our first Zoom podcast for the High Handicappers Club. Uh, excited to have Caleb here with me to host the show. This will be a good time. Heck yeah, man. Love it. You know, it is December 1 as we sit and record this, and uh, we're still as golf crazy as we've ever been. You just got a new set of clubs. Tell us about it. Well, I, I'm waiting impatiently on them. Yeah. But this is this is one of my highs of my golf life thus far is I've been playing with hand-me-downs. Shout out to uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs golf coach, Dusty Smith. Um, Hell State has, has passed along some clubs to me along the way, but this is the first clubs that I will be getting um, that are fit for me. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Should be here yeah. somewhere around a week or two, and I'm excited to play golf with them. Yeah. Man, that's a big step. Yeah, I, I mean, we talk about equipment a lot, but um, it's fun to get new stuff. You know, it's, it's, dude, I I think I love golf stuff as much as I love golf, probably. Well, and I mean, it's well talked about, but like the technology these days feels like it's so much different from when you and I first started playing, you know, even, you know, 10, 12 years ago or whatever. And man, it's just wild. Like it's crazy that, you know, these technologies, like especially in the driver, can help so much off the tee. And golf is so much more fun when you can get off the tee. Yeah, if you get off the tee, at least got a chance. And it's also fun where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's ultimately, I think it's, you know, you got to you gotta swing the clubs, but it's also fun just seeing the new technology, all the, all the major manufacturers are coming out with the cool stuff and just fun to keep up with. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, we had a, a fun last week of – golf uh you know the pga tour took a break we talked about that on the last show but there were some big golf announcements that happened and some uh some kind of fun uh golf tournaments i guess or uh you know the match i don't even know what you would call that but anyways those things are great uh, <laughs> i mean we, this is the third iteration right you've had the first one with tiger and phil the second one with I guess it was Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Tom Brady. Now the third one, you have uh, Charles Barkley and Phil versus Peyton and Steph. What did you think about it? I mean, I thought it was it was fun. You know, it's it's nice to tune in. I thought that surprise, surprise, Phil talked a lot. Yeah, that's cool. I I love like I think you could put Charles on any platform anywhere and he's just going to be funny he's just going to be entertaining he looks a lot like a defensive tackle right now and i love that um i I think i mean steph's a great golfer peyton's a great golfer i would have loved if there would have been some little more like great shots out of them just to kind of you know keep it keep it interesting i'm not like knocking them at all but I think it's also probably kind of hard to butt in on some of Phil's, you know, comments the entire time. Like I wish I love Phil. I love his comments. And at the same time, I wish he gave somebody else a chance to talk sometimes, you know, but like yeah. that's Phil. It's what you get. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it was fine. It was good. It was good. I wish, you know, I wish it was a little bit tighter, but that's okay. 
I mean, on the heels of Thanksgiving, feels like your crazy Uncle Ed who just hogs the entire conversation of the table and you kind of know what he's saying, but you also don't really know what he's saying. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Phil loves him some Phil. Especially when it's like, especially if it's on a platform where it's Phil without Tiger. Oh, yeah. It's just like Phil can like, he can do whatever he wants. You know, at that point, he's like, look, I can, I can say what I want, do what I want. I'm the man. That's his time to shine. Yeah. And I kind of think he's intimidating in that way, like to guys who maybe aren't big golfers. Like, I kind of wonder what Steph was thinking in some of those shots where he was like, man, Phil is talking so much about this. Yeah. I think Steph duffed a chip at one point and Phil was like, hey, that's good. That's good from the door, you know. And it was like totally yeah. like a power move. He gave him yeah. in for six, I think. Or no, in for five after he duffed the chip. And then it forced yeah. Phil to make like a four and a half footer to win the hole. But he was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Which I wish in like, I'm, I'm sure Steph has probably relived that moment. I wish he would have handed Phil a man brawl mm. to tuck in those puffy nips that yep. he has right there. But mm-hmm. hindsight. Yeah, you know, Peyton was kind of the unsung hero of the last match. Like, he made so many good shots from inside, like, 160. And I really just expected him to do that again. And I think on the second hole or the third hole, maybe, is a par five. And he had, like, a 140, 150-yard shot, and he almost jarred it. It, like, rolled, and it actually hit the cup and bounced out. I actually don't know how it didn't go in. But I was like, oh, man, he's just going to do this again. And then he really didn't play that well for the rest of the day. Yeah. There was a lot of chatter, like especially on social media, about Peyton and Steph playing as plus one handicaps. And everybody was like, these guys aren't plus one handicaps. But, like, I actually think they are. And plus one handicaps is just very – it's a very different game than a PGA Tour pro who's used to maybe a scene like that. Totally agree, dude. Like, there's always going to be guys out there that are just, like, crushing Peyton or Steph when they, like, hit a bad shot here or there. One, because we all do that, and it makes those guys feel better. Yeah. Like, they're good golfers, you know? But, like, a plus-one handicap, you know, here in town could shoot an 80 on any given day, and they could shoot a 65, you know? Like, I I mean – uh, yeah, that's just a hard position for them to be in. And I do think, like, because Peyton and Steph were the odds-on favorites, like, by a good amount. Yeah. Like, I think I think the highest or, like, the lowest odds I saw for them were, like, minus 210. So they were, I mean, Vegas-wise, expected to win, and they really never felt – like, it never felt like they had a chance. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I uh, Whatever the, the mojo they needed, just – didn't quite get working, but yeah. let's go, right? So. And I'll tell you what, our guy Charles, he made some good shots when he needed Your to. boy surprised me and the world. Yeah. With those first few swings when that did not look like Charles. Well, Phil on the first tee was like, hey, just remember what we taught, what we've been working on. You know, those two things. And then he just stripes one right down the middle with a yeah. baby draw. What about that, man? Like, there wasn't the uh, the old Charles Barkley, like, pause – Pause, pause again, pause, and then swing. He just hit the ball. But we talk about this too. Like, even for guys like us, I do feel like there's something about playing with guys that are better than you. Like, 
at least for me, sometimes I'm like, I think I play better when I do that. 100%. And I wonder if Charles kind of felt the same way. You know, he was like, at some point, he probably warmed up to Phil. It sounded like they had spent kind of a couple of range sessions together. And he was like, all right, you know, I, I can vibe with this. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's definitely got to be that element. I think there's probably also like uh, some hidden work Charles has been putting in for yep. probably a long time, trying to get yeah. that freaking Charles Barkley swing worked out. Yeah. Got to be both. Yeah, I think it said that Charles played to a 25 handicap, which I think is probably about right. I mean, he had a couple shanks, you know, he had yeah. a couple flubs here and there. But, I mean, he putted pretty well, and yeah, he did, get, right. off, he he did get off the tee really well. Yeah, he showed that he could hit the ball, and it wasn't just awful. So Yeah. Well, if, if you had your choice on, you know, the fourth version of the match, who would you want to see that we haven't seen yet? That is a tough question. <laughs> All right. So I know you asked me this earlier. I was started to think about it. And and it's it's honestly pretty hard to give you one answer. But here's what I'm kind of leaning towards. I want I want Wahlberg. Mm. I want Mark Wahlberg with Justin Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Versus Justin Timberlake. And Ricky Fowler. Wow. I yeah. love that. So, you know, from what the world has told us anyway, Google is obviously super accurate. I think Wahlberg and Timberlake are pretty similar as far as handicap. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I love JT. I love Ricky Fowler. I think that I just think it would be a pretty fun matchup. Um, yeah. And I also like, you know, not to make it any harder for us to get on there as it already has been, but I'd like to see them play at Sweden's Cove. Yeah. You know, just outside of Chattanooga and South Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Um, because one thing that I think about the match is I think I love it. I'll tune in, but it can be hard to kind of keep focusing up after nine holes. Mm -hmm. I think at a place like Sweden's, which is a nine hole course, but very, very nice. You could change some things up or maybe do some things that are unique to keep people kind of tuned in on their toes for it. Um, uh, Yeah. And, and so I've got some subs. If something happened to Wahlberg and, and Justin Timberlake, I think Snoop Dogg, and Tony Romo could be yep. good subs, but hey, you Definitely. know, I've also got a healthy John Daly on my Ooh, sub list, so you know, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think the first version of the match wasn't as exciting as maybe we thought it could be with Tiger versus Phil. I mean, both those guys are so serious on the course that I think it's hard for them to get out of the mindset of like the tournament totally mindset that they have on a week-to-week basis and then and i think kind of as it should be right like these guys like they're not playing golf in this element ever yeah so what i like about your jt and ricky picks there are that those guys play a lot of golf together outside of playing on the tour i think they have some really natural like on screen like on camera you know back and forth giving a little talk you know here and there. like i think it would be really fun which is also why i like Wahlberg and timberlake mm-hmm. is because 
these guys are all they do is like you know for their career is on screen in front yeah. of people yeah so you know yeah yeah i i agree i think i go back and forth on this question of like do i want to see somebody who i think would be really entertaining and then also do i want to see somebody's golf game mm. I, th- yeah. I think one guy that i think about is michael jordan yeah of it's course. Like it's obviously talked about a lot that he plays a ton. And I've been listening to this podcast um, called all American tiger. And it sounds like tiger and MJ were like pretty good friends for a while. And I'm not, I'm sure they still are at least to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but I think it'd be fun to have them out there like against each other in some form or fashion at some point. I mean, they are, such competitors that it would be interesting to see if they would like, you know, kind of go back and forth at one another and, you know, do some talk here and there. But uh, yeah, I also love the angle of, of getting some actors on there, you know, and like getting somebody on there who is actually used to cameras being around and maybe they don't mind that as much. So I'd, I'd be all about that. I do. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think, I think you have a great point there, man. I think, you know, Michael Jordan is one of the most, like, m- maybe the most famous athlete ever for, for people like us, right? So, and he loves golf, obviously. Having him yeah. on there, I think, is huge. That would be the best. Everyone in the world would tune in. A tour um, guy that I have on my list is Brooks Kepka. Yeah. I, I think that Brooks has a really unique personality. And I think we've seen it like when he does some Q and A's on Instagram sometimes where he's like, he really just does not give a crap. Yeah. And I'm, I kind of want to see what that's like off of, you know, outside of a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I think another guy I'm just note right here. He's not like a household name, but a guy like a Pat Perez. Definitely. I think would be a ton of fun. Yeah. On a show like the match. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know whatever, you know, TNT's qualifications are for it. He's not a top 100 player right now, yeah. but he would be a ton of fun. Yeah. So. It feels like there's a handful of those guys too that I think would be great. And maybe everyone doesn't know their name, like a Max Homa or a Joel Damon, guys like that that have a lot Kevin of Kisner. Yeah. Kevin Kisner that, yeah. like, you know, again, have some charisma and like have a lot of fun out there and we've caught them on hot mic saying something, you know, a little bit out there, but like, it's fun. Like that's exciting to me. And and I, I enjoy that. So yeah, it it would be cool to continue to do these and and do them not just for maybe tour pros that are super popular already, but kind of give some of those second or third tier guys a chance to kind of get some on-screen time. Yeah, that's a good point. Love that for sure, man. So as we jump into the week after Thanksgiving, I I think it's important to kind of relive maybe our 2020 in relation to golf. Um, Before we get into that, something that we've kind of thrown around, you know, off air is just in general talking about our personal highs and lows of our golf experiences. And I'm happy to kind of kick us off here. I think when I'm thinking about like what's maybe the most exciting point of 
you know, golf for me so far. And then maybe what is maybe what's on the opposite end of the spectrum there. I think like when I was growing up, I just played a lot of municipal courses around town. Right. I think the, the new era of golf is way more about like unique courses and traveling to go play different courses. And man, I went to play a couple years ago, I went to play Chambers Bay with uh, my buddy Clayton up in Seattle. And it really just opened my eyes to kind of a new era of golf for me personally. And just thinking like, wow, I can be really surprised by a golf course and, and also just be really in awe of every shot that I'm playing because every shot is different than maybe I've, what I've been used to with the courses that I grew up playing. And it was way more of an experience for me than anything. And it was kind of one of those, like, I remember every single hole and I remember every single shot. And yes, that course is, really popular now as it's hosted a US Open. But I think for me at the time, it was, I started to appreciate a lot more about golf just besides playing golf. And that was really the atmosphere of where courses can be, the settings of them, the people that you enjoy playing with, the conversation and all of that. What about you for a, a golf high? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. So I, I think I could actually, at least for this, this past year, um, I could answer kind of a golf high and low in the same breath. Any, anyway, so for actually for your birthday, you and I and a couple other guys, we went to yeah. Pinehurst yeah. and had one hell of a time. Oh yeah. Playing some golf and hanging out, eating good food, drinking good drinks, all the things. It was so fun. And me and you and another guy, Henry Varnell, mm -hmm. we stuck around one other day and we played number eight, right? All right. So as the locals told us anyway, <clears throat> they said that with Pinehurst, number two gets them in, but number eight keeps them coming back. That's so right. we decided to play number eight. All right. So we wake up. What morning was this? Was this like Sunday morning or something? Yeah. All right. We wake up Sunday morning and I am jacked. I'm, I'm, and I make the coffee and I have no idea how many scoops of coffee I put in this coffee pot. <laughs> and I drink, I don't know, three, four cups, whatever. I think we threw a couple other things in that coffee pot too. The, who knows? <laughs> who even knows? And we, we, like, I throw some of these cups of coffee back. We get out there. I think I for, totally forgot to eat breakfast and, and I'm souped up on the jet fuel that we made for coffee. Get out to the range by number eight, which is gorgeous by the way. And we're going off fairly early. It's somewhere around seven thirty, eight in the morning. Mm -hmm. Hit my first range ball. And it's like, Oh, that was, that was bad. No problem. Hit my second one. Huh? Huh? What's going on? Third one. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's figure this out. Anyway, that's that's the feeling I had was like, what is going on? Get to the number one tee box, and and here's what happened through the first seven, maybe eight holes. This course has me just absolutely it crushed my soul. Yeah, it did. We get to a cart girl, I get 
Gatorades, some food. My hands stopped shaking eventually from, from the, from the black coffee that I've drank potentially dehydration from night before. But anyway, that's, that's fine. Um, that would be the low, the first seven holes of number eight yep. that we played at Pinehurst. And at the same time, the entire Pinehurst trip was a high, yeah, including playing Tobacco Road. Um, but that's golf, right? That's how it yeah. goes. Well, I was going to say, if memory serves me right, you played pretty well the day before at Tobacco Road, right? I, I think I played really well. And then whatever course on Pinehurst we played before that, I think I shot an 80 or 81. Yeah. So golf, baby. That's it. Yeah, we we definitely need to have a show at some point to just recap that trip. Oh, because we, we did Pine, trip, bro. I know. And we did Pinehurst a little bit different than maybe a lot of others do Pinehurst. But yeah, that was an an incredible trip. Really another place for me like Chambers Bay that just feels so different, you know, yeah. and it it feels yeah. like it's such a getaway. And in, in this year, that was certainly needed. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's golf. I mean, you played well at Pinehurst 5. You played, played well at Tobacco Road and then just could not figure it out for the first seven or eight holes of, of Pinehurst State. But I think you gave me – I think what happened was you gave me a mulligan mm. on number eight because I went to chip the ball and I, it didn't work. And I thought, <laughs> oh, no. Like, I think I might have the yips. <laughs> I might be on the best golf trip of my life and I might never play again. Yeah. And I rechipped it, whatever, and it was good. And and you were kind of like, all right, let's go. Come yep. on. Let's, let's go. do this. And I was like, all right, damn, let's play golf. Okay. It's funny. I feel like my low is very similar to that. So my first job out of college, I was asked to play on the company scramble team and this like charity scramble. And it was, you know, a few of the older guys in the office that I really looked up to. And then me, and I was like, man, I really do not belong going to this scramble. And I really hadn't practiced or played that much. I was kind of in like a personal golf desert. I just hadn't really like focused that much on my game, but yeah. I was asked to play. I was like, okay, here we go. I'll figure it out. And man, I get out there and I do not contribute one bit. I I couldn't. I, I mean, I probably felt very similarly to where, how you felt at Piner State. I I could not get off the tee. I really felt like I had the driver yips. Everything was high and right. Uh, I, I mean, it was just worst. brutal. It was brutal, yeah. and it was kind yeah. of one of those where you don't even have the mental capacity to like try something else because you're like so in awe of how poorly you're playing. I think I ended up chipping in once and it like made me feel a little better, but like, I, I mean the rest of the round, like, I don't know if I hit a good shot. This game, this I, game. I'll also add in one really small one. I played actually in another scramble where I felt like my game was in a pretty decent place and I just absolutely hooked an eight iron into the parking lot on nine, actually at Hermitage here in Nashville and they had just taken down the net in the parking lot, and I just shattered the back windshield of an Infinity G35. That was pretty brutal. Uh, bless his heart. Oh, man. Hey, I, part B to that is my wife took me to the driving range on my birthday. 
like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I got the shanks. Mm. And I couldn't figure it out. If you've ever been to McCabe in Nashville, they put about 84 golfers on like a 25 person driving <laughs> range. Limit. And I started freaking out because everybody felt close to me. But I did it, and and Danielle was like, "What are you doing? I thought you liked golf." And I was like, "I don't know. I don't know what's going going on. I don't know what to tell you." And That's, we we had to leave. So it was an awesome birthday, to say the least. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I shattered this windshield. I walked into the clubhouse at Hermitage and told the guy at the you know the pro at the front desk, and he was like, he like looked at me with like a million heads like why are you telling me that you just did this type thing and he was like we just took down the net last week over there i was like cool appreciate it dude that's brutal sorry i feel like i totally just cut off your story no no no, i love it uh i I actually just thought about that that windshield oh yeah oh gosh i'm pretty sure the guy just absolutely took me to the cleaners i was also like 24 at the time to like I, I was pretty young and i think this guy just bought the nicest windshield he could find he probably parked his car there on purpose yeah he probably also didn't expect somebody to hit a 50 yard hook but you know but he, was, he was hoping for it yeah he was <laughs> well uh kind of in relation to that question you know as we're jumping past thanksgiving week what would you say that you are like related to golf? What would you say you're really thankful for this year? That's a good question. I think <clears throat> with COVID and the pandemic and so much shutdown, I think golf has been a very bright spot for a lot of people, at least a lot of people that like golf that is. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I have been able to connect with some friends <clears throat> and have some meaningful time and conversation with guys on the golf course. It's been, it's been good for me. It's been, it's been enjoyable that, you know, in a very busy world with a lot of stuff going on, it's been, it's definitely been a highlight, man. Man. Isn't that the truth? I I would actually echo a lot of what you said i've had a couple friends who have really never been interested in golf and next thing you know they're texting me every week you know that there's a tournament and of course the pga tour came back you know earlier than than really every other major sport league out there and you know they were they were watching they were going to play and you know a lot of the metro courses here in town were shut down for an extended period of time but you could go walk for free yeah and man, I really enjoyed, I don't play like solo that often. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed going out and playing with, you know, guys and hanging out, but it was easy for me to go out there really early before, you know, my son got up and, you know, just go play nine holes by myself. And that was a really good time. And then, yeah, having some guys that are really interested in the game now has been a ton of fun for me to connect with kind of on another level. So, yeah, yeah. And I would I would say that I would also say our trip to Pinehurst. I mean that was just such a such a fun time. Yeah, nine nine guys and and really uh, guys that I'm so close with from all walks of life. Just having them in one place like Pinehurst was. I don't know if it's 
I don't know if we can repeat something like that, but I think we're going to try. You're damn sure right. We're going to give it our best shot. That's for yeah. sure. That was a fun, fun time. Definitely. So the last topic for today is really some PGA Tour news, and we're, we're back with a tournament this week, but something kind of slid maybe a little under the radar last week. And but it's really big news. The PGA Tour and the European Tour are merging together. Yep. I think the idea here is really to create more of a like a worldwide schedule where instead of having the best players pick and choose which tournaments they want to go play, they can really have a schedule that's built that helps them say, okay, these tournaments aren't going to overlap, right? Yeah. And I think what Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, is now a board member for the European Tour. There are some TV rights deals that are part of it as well. But I think this is huge. Yeah, totally, man. I think – I mean, I think there, there are so many, like, European players that are tops on the PGA that – I think it's going to be good for everybody to have these two two tours combined where it's it's not like a pick one or pick the other, but we're like, Hey, everybody's on the same page here. And, you know, we're going to try and schedule everything like along, along with that, that I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really great for golf as a whole for the world. Yeah. And there are, you know, a handful of courses that the European Tour plays that I would love to see more PGA Tour guys play. Yeah. And now that they're probably going to line those up a little bit more, I'm really excited for that. And, I mean, there are a handful of guys that have gone over and, you know, played on the European Tour and then made a move to the PGA Tour. I mean, like, Brooks has kind of been, you know, the big one as of late, but I mean, you've had a lot of those guys, you know, more recently, like, you know, a Tommy Fleetwood, yeah, um, you know, guys like that, that just want to get some good experience over there. I mean, Brooks is maybe one of the unique cases that's a U.S. guy goes to play over there and then comes back. But yeah. Um, yeah. And the, and the European tours made it very clear that like it wasn't, it wasn't a money, it wasn't like a financial decision, mm-hmm. but more of like, Hey, uh, let's be partners here. Yeah. Let's try and do things together. Let's try and schedule things together where guys don't have to pick and choose and, and let's like, let's be on the same page here. So, and I, I like that. I think it's cool. From a selfish standpoint, I love early morning golf yeah. because of, I mean, you and I both have two kids and so we're up early anyways. It's like throw on golf channel and there's, you know, somebody swinging a club at five 30 in the morning or six 30 in the morning. And, it's at least something to have on in the background and kind of check out and see what's going on. So, oh yeah. That's always nice. G- give me more of that for sure. I love it. Well, the, the PGA tour has their technically, I guess their last event of the 2020 season this week. And that's the Mayakoba classic down in Mexico. Yep. This tournament in the past I think has kind of been a throwaway tournament for a lot of the top guys but because of COVID and the 2020 schedule you actually have a handful of 
really good players that are playing in this. I, I read that it was the strongest field in history, and this is a 13-year event, so it's not like it's only been around for a couple years. Um, but, I mean, the, the top like – if you look at the, the favorites here, I'll run through, I think, the top ten. You've got JT, Brooks, Abe Answer, Harris English, Daniel Berger, Russell Hen- Henley, uh, Victor Hovland, Tony Finau. Ricky Fowler. Yep. So you've got some you've got some some good players there. Yeah, that, there's some there's some dudes playing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and this would be an interesting course. I mean, it's not one like if you look at guys who have won in the past here, like Pat Perez, those are and there's a couple other guys I can't think of, but I think what's unique about this course is it's a coastal course, so it's it's almost like a link style. And it's a par 71. I think that it actually favors a lot of guys who aren't going to smash the ball yeah. and guys that have some really good iron play. And so we'll see how that plays out. Oh, something, something else really interesting about this week is Andy Ogletree is making his pro debut. That's pretty cool, man, I watching mean, him in Augusta mm-hmm. recently. And now he's, now he's making his debut, man. It's going to be a pretty cool deal. Yeah, I mean, what, three weeks ago, you had him in Butler Cabin, low amateur. I think he was trying to keep it under wraps, and they asked, hey, what are your plans? And he said, I'll go pro in the near future. I don't know if we expected it would be that near. Yeah, I think I think his answer was like, it was pretty well um, performed. Thought out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thought out. That's a better yeah. word. Yeah, I mean, he knew, what he, he knew what he was doing, and he said it well. So. I think the guy's confident. I mean, I hope he has an awesome career. Yep. And maybe we kick it kick it off here. We'll see. I actually wonder if he would have gone pro earlier if the Masters hadn't have been in November. Yeah. Great point. I mean, I don't know if I'm if I'm an amateur and and I get the opportunity to play in the Masters. That's just a tough one to pass up. It doesn't matter if you think you're going to have a great pro career or not. But yeah. I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, me too, man, for sure. Um, also, something of note, speaking of the Masters, so the Masters, you know, one of the automatic qualifiers for that tournament is if on January 1st of every year, if you are in the top 50, you are automatically in to that event in April. Ricky Fowler is currently 49th, and so he needs a good showing in this event to make sure that he can stay in that top 50. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I would expect him to continue like to be above that 50 mark. You never know, but I mean, you always love seeing Ricky on TV. So I, I, I want to see him in there. Yeah. It feels like Ricky shouldn't be close to that 50 mark. I mean, I don't know, maybe, I mean, he won the players, what was it, two years ago? Like, it feels yeah. like he's always you, kind of there. You got to feel like Ricky's closer to that, like, 25 mark, right? Yeah. He won, what, the Waste Management Open last year, I think. Yeah. I mean, I do think he's going to play well. And, like, if I'm making some picks for the week for, like, top 20s, I think Ricky probably finishes top 20. Um, and I do think his game probably suits his course pretty well. Agreed. A couple other guys while I'm thinking about it that I think 
this course fits well and and they've had some good history here would be Harris English and Pat Perez. They've both played in this tournament, I think each of the last three years and played in it pretty well. And yeah. so I think if I'm looking at maybe some guys that aren't in the top five, you know, odds on favorites, I would say Ricky Harris English and Pat Perez would kind of be my guys that I would expect to, to be up there at some point on the weekend. Totally. I like that. One guy I'd like to throw in there on that is Berger, Daniel Berger. Mm-hmm. I think we've all seen he has a game mm-hmm. that is at the top period, you know? So I think when, when he's like, when he's showing up and playing, I think you can't count that guy out, you know, like he's, he's, he's got a game that's, that's there. So we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, he had a really, really good summer and I thought it was such a bummer wow. that he wasn't in the masters. And- oh, me too, man. For sure. I mean, he was one of those guys, I think him and Victor Hovland, and I think um, there was one other guy that hadn't qualified, and it felt like, man, they've had such a killer summer. It feels like they should be there. Yeah. But I'm excited to see him come back and see where his game's at. Yep, totally. Well, cool, man. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, I'm excited to, to see how this tournament plays out. And uh, as always, love talking golf with you. Hey, man. We're uh, we're the high handicappers, baby. I love I it. We we got to do it, and we're playing. We playing on Friday. That's what I heard, man. I think we're gonna be in uh, Mississippi or Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. We are. Uh, we're taking a a birthday trip for our buddy Trent. Happy thirtieth uh-huh. to him. We are heading down to Mississippi for a couple days. Gonna hang out. We're gonna be close <laughs> to Baton Rouge, so I think. Is the course technically in Louisiana or is it in? I think so, but we will be sure to let the followers know. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be close to that border, but I think it's an Arnold Palmer design. I don't know much about it other than that, but I do know if we're on a golf course, we're going to be having fun. Come on. Come on.